On this episode of The Popcorn Diet, we're looking back at what we can from the last year of films and picking out our favorite movies of 2020. Get your popcorn ready. Welcome all you good movie buddies to The Popcorn Diet, a podcast for those who live on a steady diet of movie, theater, popcorn, and other delicious movie snacks. My name is Rick Williamson, your very best good movie buddy, and joining us as usual is our other good movie buddy, the Canadian machine, Mr. David Melhorn. David, happy new year. Feels the same as it was. It's not, it's, it literally just feels like it's December, like, like, what are we at? December 41st? 42nd. Yeah. <laughs> December 42nd of 2020? Like, I try. I think I talked with you about this, too, which were all these people were getting, like, really emotionally hyped for uh, 2021. Like, goodbye, 2020. And I was kind of like, the whole time, I was kind of like, you know, it's not going to be that. Like, it's not going to just change, right? Yeah. So, I mean, whatever. We're, we're still going strong. And uh, 2020 is gone. It's it is. dead. Bury it. Okay? But... One of the things that we always do on this podcast, one of the things, I don't know about you, let me ask you actually, how do you feel about people using December as their time to release like best of lists when not everything is out? Well, in this year in particular, it's pretty difficult because there's a lot of stuff, and it depends how you want to approach it because there's a lot of stuff that came out or is coming out that are for this awards season. Right. That are just now coming out. You know, I look at, um, well, we'll go through the list, so I, I won't go into that too much, but there's there's quite a few movies that are going to be counted for this award season, and so they're going to be looked back as 2020 movies, even though they really right. are 2021 movies. Right. It's almost not fair because it, you got you got a weird, this is just you and me in mm -hmm. a room as people who love movies. We don't have a press pass. We didn't go to school for this kind of thing. Whatever. We love movies, and we have the avenue to make a podcast, so we do it. But that means we don't get to go to the festivals. Mm -hmm. That means Sundance will already have happened in, in 2021 before you and I might even get to see Sundance films from 2020. And that's the thing is like there are Sundance films out there, like particularly Minari, which we'll talk about a little bit more, that one the 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 main prize that aren't going to get released until mid February and there's conversations about that which we'll talk about when it comes to the Oscars and things like that but it's weird yeah right? it is weird nonetheless we didn't see a ton of movies we were actually just talking about pre hitting record the number of movies that we've seen this year David we were comparing our numbers and I I. I think about all of the movie years where we did we did a couple of competition years. Well, put it in perspective, there was years we both times we did that, we saw over a hundred movies. Yes, we that pushed. were released in that year, and I believe the second time we did it, we might have both been over a hundred and fifty. It was or right around there. So considering that and we really had to push ourselves too we like didn't we did. watch any old movies like we nope. had to like stay disciplined yep and we you know there was days where we'd watch three movies in a day and five or six even yeah on new year's and eve <laughs> like a psychopath now i mean we can't even like we would probably run out of movies very quickly if Maybe. we would have tried to do that from this year other than your you know ones that were off of our list right and even then, we would have had to discuss new rules considering this because in our previous years, when we did competitions, it had to be something that had a theatrical release. Right. It, even if it was limited, it right. had to have some kind of theatrical release. There's a lot of movies this year that didn't have any mm -hmm. kind of theatrical mm -hmm. re release. Mm -hmm. it, it would have been it would have been interesting. Like hindsight being 2020, a um, it would have been interesting to try and do a movie year during the pandemic because I do think we probably could have gotten up to like 60 or 70 because there are a lot of VOD movies out there that came out that nobody really watched. There's a lot of movies that came out in January, February, and March that are now available now. Like I think we could have done good numbers, but 
as we all know, I, I went into hibernation, basically. I went into mm-hmm. a mental health chasm. Um, and we didn't watch a ton of new movies. Now, we watched a ton of movies. I think I watched over 160, 180 movies total from last year. Uh, but new movies, the numbers are a bit lower. So how many new movies, how many movies that were released in 2020 did you watch last year? I would say I watched 13, but there's a couple ones that are like kind of fringe movies like a like Hamilton. Sure. That was technically released as a movie on Disney Plus. And so if we want to count that, that would add one to my list and um so I think if I go off of what people probably traditionally feel like are released movies from this year i probably i i saw 13 so yeah not not a big list no not at all i watched i logged 140 movies total on letterboxd last year and of those 140 uh 20 at least 27 of them were 2020 movies um and so from that limited pool is what we have to build are kind of our best movies of the year list on. And you, normally when we see a boatload of movies, and when we have a boatload of movies to see, we do a top 10, we go back and forth, right? But we, you wanted to change this up a little bit. You wanted to do a little bit more of like a, a little pool of, I think we can still go back and forth on our movies, but like there's no technical order except for our top movie. Yeah. So I think that's what we should do. I think we just go back and forth and talk about the movies on our list, talk about the movies that we have seen, haven't seen, what have you. Because there are movies you've seen mm-hmm. that I, I haven't. Not many, but there are a couple. Um, and there are several that I have seen. There's, I almost doubled you up. So there, there are definitely some that I have seen Why are you going to well. say it like that? Because I don't get to say that to you very often about <laughs> literally anything. So I'm going to lean into it. Um <laughs> literally nothing so i'm gonna take the tiny victory that i can so let's go back and forth i will start with you and you list off you start wherever you want in any order um and you name off one of the movies we got you got 10 right you got 10 total you made it to 10 i made it to 10 as well so why don't you start we'll go through our our kind of best movies of the year before we declare our favorite movies of the year i will i will I will give the floor to you. Well, and I'll preface this by saying I saw, th- again, we'll right. come back to the fact that I saw 13. You could tell us what three maybe 14 you did or 15. <laughs> so, you know, my pool of movies is not uh, is not too deep here. So some of these movies you may be saying like, what, top 10? And that's right. why I didn't want to do a top 10. It's more of like movies I'll mention from this year. Some right. of them, we because we didn't do a lot of episodes this year because of everything going on, there are opportunities to talk about some movies that maybe people aren't even aware of or maybe weren't on their radar it's that, very, that I enjoyed. It's very likely, David, that you and I might have to actually do a revisit episode in three months or something like that Yeah, to see. Because there are several movies out. I might as well just list them now. We'll talk about them during the Oscars. But there are several movies out that I haven't seen. There are movies like Nomadland which isn't coming out till February. Uh, Minari, as I mentioned. First Cow is one that's already out. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom is one that's already out. Promising Young Woman is sort of out. One Night in Miami doesn't come out till... It's out. Uh, oh, shit, is it out? You can no, see it in... Uh, oh, you can see it in there theaters. There are some theaters Some showings. theaters, but it's not coming to Prime for, I think, a couple days after this, this episode gets released. Um, there's a couple... There's just several... Promising Young Woman, I mentioned, is one that I think could make the list. Mm-hmm. Um, there are several movies that we just haven't seen yet, and it's very likely that those could wind up on my top ten list as well, and in your group as well. So maybe we'll do a revisit. Uh, odds are it doesn't look like we'll be getting new movies anyways in three or four months, at least in the theaters. So with all that being said, David, you are absolved. I'm just going to officially say it right now. I, as your good movie buddy, absolve you. Of any judgment on your list. Because 2020 was the son of a bitch year. And it sucked for movies. And it was tough to get through. And we had other things on our mind and other priorities. So you were absolved. Well, my first two movies are going to have one common theme. And so I'll start it off 
with the one that's actually the last 2020 movie that I watched. Okay. Which is a movie called Jungle Land Jungle with our Land. boy Charlie Hunnam. Charlie Hunnam. A lot it's, of Charlie Hunnam stock. Good friend of the podcast, Charlie Hunnam. Absolutely. And, you know, it's it's a pretty simple movie. It's not something that we haven't seen before. It's, it's basically uh, two down-on-their-luck brothers kind of going through the underground of boxing, trying mm-hmm. to... Trying to get their next break, dealing with some gangsters and that, you know, one one brother's bad gambling debt, that kind of stuff. And uh, it's one of those kind of journey across the country type of and some of the misfortune and it's things like that they come across. And a sports movie and a like. A- yeah, there's there's some different aspects in there. But, you know, like I said, it, I mentioned this to you after I watched it. It's like a two-hour movie that got its budget cut in the 11th hour and was told that it needed to be a 90-minute. So ah. it's moving at a good pace, and then all of a sudden it's like, all right, we're going to hit fast forward here and <laughs> and and finish this out. Okay. Um, but it what happens. I liked about it, I enjoyed the performances. I thought the p- performances were really good. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's one of those that's out there. You can stream it now. It came out, I think, in late October. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're a Charlie Hunnam fan, I think he does a great job. He's not the the best of the best person in the world uh, in the movie, the but character, he, but he does, gray. yeah, his his character. Um, but he does a really good job, and I enjoyed the movie. It's not probably a, a big rewatch movie, but if you're looking for something that you haven't seen that I don't think is gonna, you know, be a be a disappointment. It's a, it's a good movie. All so right. So I, I know that's not a very glowing review of it, but I enjoyed it. And if you're a Charlie Hunnam fan, I think it's a good watch. I mean, it's not, if it's not garbage, then and very rarely is Listen, anything garbage. And there's not a lot of options out there, it's too, true. right now. It's a very good point. So my movie, uh, to, to go this round, Robin, I'm going to start out with, with a really, like, maybe the most feel-good movie on my list. Okay. Uh, which isn't to say the other movies didn't make me feel good, but there's just something about On the Rocks, Sofia Coppola's movie with Bill Murray and Rashida Jones that I found really refreshing, really lighthearted. It deals with some somewhat serious subject matters such as like overbearing parents and the kind of psychological effects they have on kids and the possibility of adultery and the tedium of middle-aged parenthood, you know? It deals with all of these things, but it just does so in this really light and breezy attitude. And Bill Murray is just reminding you you're a super, he's a superstar in this movie. Like, it's some grade-A, first-class Bill Murray stuff here. There's a scene where he talks to two cops that pulled him over that is, it's in the conversation for, like, some of his top stuff. Like, it's just a phenomenal scene. And everyone is good in it. Rashida Jones is phenomenal in it. Her, her and Bill Murray have incredible chemistry. Uh, Damon Wayans, or uh, is it Damon Wayans? No, it's not Damon Wayans. Marlon Wayans mm. uh, is in it, and he plays the husband, and he's very good in it as well. It's a fun New York movie. It's, it's got a lot of good stuff in it. Um, and I just really enjoy it. And I had the opportunity to go see it on in the movie theaters, and it's on Apple Plus, I believe, right now. I think it's an exclusively an Apple Plus uh, sh- movie. But On the Rocks is on my list. I really enjoyed it. I, I genuinely think it's probably one of the breeziest movies of the year. What is your next one? You said your your two, the first two you're going to talk about, have similar themes. Yeah. So the second one I'm going to talk about is The Gentleman. There you go. Okay. Oh, well, <laughs> a absolutely okay. bonkers movie. I, I believe we did a podcast back. We did way back when in in January. Back in in late January when things were still, I don't know, not normal, but well, we were still in movie theaters yeah. regularly. So, no, it was you know it's one of those quirky Guy Ritchie movies that gets you know. Um, Oh, what's his name? Colin Farrell. Call, well, you get Colin, got Colin Farrell Henry doing Goldie, a great uh, accent. You get Hugh Grant doing a ridiculous accent. Hunnam, like your boy. We get Charlie Hunnam. I mean, there's just all these people in it, and it just feels like a lot of fun. I mean, it feels like they had a lot of fun doing it. If you want to hear all of our thoughts on it, you can go back to to our podcast from from last January. We both enjoyed this movie, but we enjoyed it. And again, in a year where we anticipated a lot of movies and not a lot of them came out. 
that was one that I was anticipating going into the year just because of who was involved yeah. in the movie. And yeah. it didn't, didn't disappoint. No. You know, it's not going to win any awards or anything like that. But it's as I look back on the year, it was one of the movies I enjoyed a lot from new movies that came out. For sure. Shout out to other good friend of the podcast, our coworker, Melanie Figler. She was texting me, I think, uh, a week ago, two weeks ago. And was like, what movies should we watch? As she does from time to time. And she texted me all these movies, and I'm like, no. And then she te- texts me The Gentleman, and I go, yes, this is a thousand percent in your lane. And then we talked on the phone the next day, and she was just like, I loved it. And, and sometimes you know that a movie is going to work for you like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, very good. My, and I enjoyed it as well, very much so. Listen to that uh, previous episode of the podcast. Uh, my next movie is Onward, which mm. was Pixar's uh, – uh, uh, spoiler alert, both Pixar movies are on my list – um, Onward got me a, a lot more than I thought it would, and I'll I'll cop to it. I didn't see Onward until like last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been holding off on it because the stuff about family and, and and whatnot, like it hits me a little bit harder right now after the year or so that I've had, and so I was really holding off on it. And it it I was I weeped at the end, like I weeped at the end. Um, but I just love the world that they built. I love the fantasy world that they built. This combination of like regular old lifestyle ver- uh, combined with D&D and fantasy characters and the way that it leaned into so many D&D aspects, Dungeons and Dragons aspects, was just really fun and really entertaining. And the characters were phenomenal. All of the voice actors were great. Tom Holland and Chris Pratt were great. Julia Louis-Dreyfus and Octavia Spencer were great. I just enjoyed it. I enjoyed the animation. I I really had a good time with Onward. And I know a lot of people consider it kind of a lesser Pixar film or like a slight Pixar film. And that's fair because it's just an, it's an animated movie. It's two brothers going on a quest. Um, but it hit me emotionally, like really, really hard. And I had a good time with it. So Onward is is my next movie. What about you? You know, Onward was on my list as well. So I won't go too far into it but okay. I'll, I'll i'll mention it i on the other hand watched it relatively early into it coming out having kids it sure. was a, a new movie <laughs> that i could watch with them which i enjoyed and we probably watched it 15 times this year so i've uh, i've had quite a few rewatches of it and and everything you said is is spot on for me and i think I always love how Pixar, you know, whatever you want to say, where it rates on your scale of Pixar movies. I think the thing that Pixar has brought to kind of the animation game is is not only obviously great visuals and and what they do, but just kind of the multi-level like themes that they do in that movie. The ability to, you know, make this a fun kids movie that kids are going to enjoy, but also, you know, have some some deeper takeaways and that and things that you can look to beyond just you know these are two brothers going on a quest right. doing goofy things and right. having fun and all it that deal, kind of it stuff. deals a lot with family and growing up as pixar it tends to do it it like you said it layers these complex ideas and these mature ideas on top of a cartoon and yeah. it's i mean they're they despite they have a couple of missteps you know, Carlos franchise, not notwithstanding, like they are undefeated. And hey, Cars one and two are okay. Yes, Cars three is Cars 3 just is where trash. they lost their way a little bit. We're like the only two people on the planet who like Cars two. Like I'm convinced. That's okay. <laughs> Have kids and then force yourself to watch all three of them and see which one you want to rewatch. Yeah, uh, it's tough. So, all right, so we both had onward on our list. What's your next one? All right, so now we're probably getting a little bit more with the start and onward. We're probably getting to ones that maybe show up on other people's lists. Sure. I'm going to talk about, we'll go ahead and and go to The Five Bloods. Yep, also Um, on my list. Obviously, a movie that was talked about a lot early on in the year. Um, Obviously, became even more so relevant with the summer that we had with everything going on with... um, George Floyd protests, Black Lives Matter, all of that kind of stuff going yeah. on, um, obviously became even more relevant. Uh, but I thought, you know, it's Spike Lee, and you know, Spike Lee is is known for definitely a, a specific type of viewpoint and and what he brings. And again, this is another movie that we did a podcast on, 
that you can listen to kind of our more detailed yeah. viewpoints on it. But it's just really well done. The acting's fantastic. Incredible. You know, everybody's just so good in the movie. Uh, Delroy. Delroy. I, I'm Delroy's getting an Oscar nom out of it. That's for sure. I, I sure hope so. He, he deserves it. But you even got Chadwick, you know. Chad, God. And and Chadwick will show on my list again, but it's just there's there's not really a lot of holes that you can poke in that movie. I mean, it's directed well, uh, visually it's 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 great. The story is obviously um, something that you probably you know while it's fiction, at the same time like it it brings a lot of things to light that maybe people aren't aware of, and it brings right. great awareness in in an entertaining way too. So yeah, uh, it was a great movie and a great watch. Not something that I've revisited since I first saw it, but yeah. at the same time, like it it was impactful in things that I can still remember the majority of that movie and and remember how good it was. Yeah, I mean, sh again, shout out to Netflix for I have a, I have three Netflix movies I think on my list at least three. Yeah, three. Um, and shout out to Netflix for like giving these great filmmakers the money to make great films. Uh, Defy Blood's the same thing for me. It's on my list. Um, it is. It's incredible. Spike Lee. It's very complex. It deals with these ideas. These very very complex and and. Um, I mean, frankly, you know, really controversial ideas, unfortunately, about what it's like to be black in America, what it was like to be black fighting for America in Vietnam, what it's like to feel black and disenfranchised now. Not obviously not that I speak from any experience as a white man, but like it's an, a fascinating look into multiple examples of the black experience in America. Um, and all of them are valid, and none of them are demonized. None of, none, none of them are, are positioned as the right or the wrong or whatever. It's, it's a really fascinating conversation, um, and it really goes in some unexpected places. So The Five Bloods is on my list as well. Also on my list, going along with Netflix, uh, is Mank, which is David Fincher's ode to... Citizen Kane and the kind of creating of Citizen Kane, the writing of it particularly, and the story of Herman Mankiewicz in general, which is just like, again, shout out to Netflix for giving David Fincher all the money that he needed to make a black and white movie about Herman Mankiewicz, who is a guy who is lost to time, even amongst film scholars, is somewhat lost to time as the guy who co-wrote Citizen Kane and the controversy that came up with him co-writing Citizen Kane. And it's not like the most emotionally engaging movie as David Fincher movies tend to be a, feel a little cold um, and a little calculating, but it is definitely one of his more warmer films. And it really is a, a, a love letter and this kind of dissertation on what old Hollywood represented and the politics of old Hollywood and the politics of getting something created and whatnot. And it's just incredibly well shot. It's got some of the best cinematography. The 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 score by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross is this big band throwback score. And watching it in conjunction with Citizen Kane, which is what I did, uh, really made it special. Uh, it's not the most, most emotionally affecting movie on this list by any means, but if you are a movie nerd and a movie history nerd, and you have this understanding that Citizen Kane is one of the great works of all time, then this movie really, really builds up. Well, and this that. is what it took to get you to watch Citizen Kane. Weirdly, like, again, we, we talked about this, I think, briefly in a couple of other episodes, yeah. but it got me to finally watch Citizen Kane. Not that I was actively avoiding it. No. But it was something that normally you watch in film school, and it was never shown to me in all of my different film. I took a lot of film classes, dude, and I nobody ever watched Citizen Kane. Uh, and it's not necessarily something that comes up naturally. And it's just like, oh, no, I just never got to it. How could you have never gotten to it? I just never got to it. So I finally did, thanks to HBO Max. Shout out to their incredible library of movies. Mm-hmm. And it's great double feature, and I think you should absolutely double feature Mank with Citizen Kane. I like it. 
What do you uh, got? Uh, next up on my list, I'll just keep that connection from Defy Bloods to Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, okay. uh, another Netflix movie. This is one I haven't seen yet. And that's why I want to talk about it. <laughs> just, uh, Are no. we trading? Because you didn't see Mank, right? I did not so see Mank. So we're trading Mank. off the ones that we didn't see? Okay, yeah, I, like so, that. I like that. So Ma Rainey's Black Bottom is a really simple like concept. It's basically following... Uh, Ma Rainey was one of the original, I think they maybe phrase her as like mothers of jazz. Sure. Uh, but anyway, she was a, a famous jazz singer, not as famous as a lot of the names that we know, like, you know, whether it be Otis Redding or, or right. some of the other ones out there. Louis Armstrong. Louis Armstrong. You. Yeah. But, um, was one of the more influential to a lot of them in their careers, and so it, it follows her. There's there's a little bit of scandal. There was actually a movie out um, not too long ago about her believed girlfriend, quote unquote. Mm. Um, and I can't remember who who played the role of that uh, character. But anyways, it's got Chadwick Boseman. It's got Viola Davis and uh, quite a few couple others that i'm blanking on who else was in it sure but the acting in is is fantastic but it basically follows her going in for a recording session and it you know shows her interacting with kind of her small circle as well as the band interacting and they tell stories throughout the the film that basically portray kind of race in america at those times and some of the different experiences and how people that on the outside seem happy and successful. These were all you mus musicians, you know, attached to, you know, one of the more popular jazz uh, singers. And yet just the baggage and the experiences that they, uh, they carried with them that influenced how they coped and how they got through things. And it's, it's a really powerful movie and it's a, uh, it's not an easy watch, but in my opinion, like the acting makes it so engaging. Like Chadwick Boseman is fantastic in it. Viola Davis, I would be absolutely shocked if she's not nominated. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if she wins. So if yeah. nothing else, do it because you may see some people who win some acting awards uh, in I mean, that film and, and in that movie. It's one of Chadwick's final performances. Yeah. Like it's something that is as morbid as that is like that is uh, that it makes it a must see. Yeah, so. absolutely. And it's it's I, I really enjoyed it. I had zero expectations other than knowing that it was one of Chadwick's last films. Mm -hmm. um, and I really enjoyed it. I'm someone who enjoys uh, jazz and, and kind of that music. Sure. It's one of the the things that I always enjoy learning more and more about kind of the history of that. And so to see it portrayed in this way with kind of, you know, obviously the conversation of race in America right. too, it's just a powerful and, and really well done movie. Absolutely. Uh, I can't, I mean, I obviously can wait to see it cause I haven't watched it yet, <laughs> but like hearing you talk about it makes me want to, you know, get, turn this off right now and go watch it. So it, it's definitely, I'm excited to see it for sure. Uh, my next one is The Invisible Man, which came out early, early in the year. Elizabeth Moss doing a new take on on Universal, you know, the horror movie of Invisible Man. And this is the this is what I'm here for when it comes to <laughs> uh, Universal adapting their classic monsters. Like, listen, I didn't hate Tom Cruise's The Mummy movie. I didn't hate it, but it didn't really do anything new. It literally did everything that we have already seen before in other movies, in other mummy movies, in other uh, action movies. Like, it did stuff from the mummy movie from, like, 1996 or 97. Like, Brendan Fraser is doing this stuff before Tom Cruise did. And so that didn't make it very interesting. But The Invisible Man, Lee Whannell, the director, who did one of, one of the movies that we really loved, he did Upgrade. Mm -hmm. which is a gnarly little movie that we watched. And Universal was like, well, you did Upgrade for like $3 million or like half a million dollars or whatever stupid low number he made Upgrade on. Here's like $12 million to make The Invisible Man. And that's what makes Lee Whannell such an, uh, an interesting director is he, he's just smart. He just doesn't have the $100 million and finds ways to make these really effective little genre movies 
with what he has. And I am all for taking these ideas of what these classic monsters used to be and flipping them on their head and using them to be applied to to modern horrors. You know, in this case, obviously, the idea of, of an abusive husband, an abusive ex, the trauma that that type of thing brings, the 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 doubting that you are experiencing when trying to tell people how things are. Um, it's really, really powerful. Elizabeth Moss is incredible. It's a damn shame Universal isn't thinking that she should get any, like they're not doing any campaigning for her, but she's incredible in it. Um, and it's just got some gnarly Invisible Man killing people and doing stuff, and I'm always going to be for it. So the Invisible Man is also on my list. What about you? All right, next up for me is another Pixar movie is Soul. Okay. So the second Pixar movie of the year. Uh, funny enough, has that common strand. I'm keeping these connections going of, you know, obviously jazz and and music mm-hmm. is is very much a part of the movie Soul, um, like Ma Rainey's. But it's, you know, it's a powerful movie in, in a lot of sense in the story that it tells and the idea of... Um, what we believe is our our passions and and what is what makes life living and and what we um you know coming back to the name of the title the soul like what right. what when it gets to it like what is your life about and what's important and right. and the way that sometimes we envision certain things as being what we need when really we don't take a look around us and see you know what we have and 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 it's it's again it's one of those movies it was interesting watching it because i said to myself because this is one of the few animated movies i didn't watch (laughs) with my kids sure because they watched it with my mother-in-law and so i they enjoyed it and said it was funny and and watched it but as i was watching it i was like this doesn't feel as much like a a kid's movie like yes there's funny moments and things like that but like it doesn't have the normal stuff that, you know, like Onward had like adventure and all those right, types of things. Right, car chases. And this was a lot more like kind of like high level thinking it was way more in a measured. lot of ways. Yeah, it was way more measured. There was funny things in there and things that would keep kids entertained. But mm-hmm. like I felt like it was almost more of a an adult movie that kids would enjoy. You know, like right. a lot of Pixar movies have been like kids movies that adults can enjoy can enjoy because they've got some jokes in there there's some wink wink things you know things that are going to go over kids heads but kids are going to or adults are going to find funny like i randomly watched we refused to watch another movie that we had seen this weekend and so we did movie night and we watched Ferdinand. another okay and there's a scene in there where he's a bull obviously yeah and he's trying to get away from people and he accidentally wanders into a china shop and it's like bull in a china shop shop. Uh, like kids aren't gonna get that but like it's funny for adults to have like these little nods and things like that whereas like soul for some reason to me felt more like a movie that could easily be seen as like a movie for adults like if it wasn't animated right like and you just told that story with because it's a movie that didn't technically have to be animated in a lot of ways sure um like we've seen movies with talking cats and we've seen things with ghosts and things like that that aren't animated right um and so i think it's a movie that easily could have not been and could have been a movie for more targeted an adult audience but obviously with the animation layer it, it feels more like a kid's movie but the themes and the conversations that you're talking about like you know in my case i've got a four-year-old a two-year-old and a Mm one-year-old like they're not quite going to be thinking about like how to best use your life and well, chasing your passions. Like you, we don't get me wrong. We talk about that all the time. But sure. one day it's I want to be a fireman. The next day it's I want to be a a builder, and then it's I want to be a you know those types of things. So right. like a and really no, young kids and, aren't going to be knowing about sacrificing their passions or what's really important in life and things like that yeah, as much. That's the craziest thing about it. So uh, spoiler alert: Soul is my favorite movie of the year. Nice. Uh, Soulmate it's a, is my number one movie of the year. And you're right. It is very much a showcase of why animation is only just another medium. Yeah. Like animation isn't exclusively for kids. And we've seen examples of that, you know, plenty of times. Um, but this is a really good example of that crossover movie. But instead of it being 75% kids, 25 adults, it's more like 60%, 65% adults, 35, 30% kids. I think the most important thing to realize about this movie is its main character is a middle school, a middle aged middle school 
band teacher. Yeah. And if you look at every single other Pixar movie, that is not the case. Like an adult is not the main character. It's yeah. either a living thing, like a fish or a car or a toy or an emotion, which is wild, or a kid or some version of that, like, or a family unit, you know, like the Incredibles, for sure. example. Um, and you just don't make kids movies about middle school teachers because especially to kids. And I heard this, I'm, I'm going to steal this from uh, the big picture is one of my favorite podcasts to listen to, but like there is nobody less human and less relatable to a kid than an adult teacher, <laughs> you know? Sure. And that's what makes it so fascinating. Now, obviously it brings in 22, mm -hmm. which is your, your kind of, uh, you know, your, little kid to like Carl, for example, like sure. up, you know, yep. up, you know, all, all due respect, like up is about an old man, mm -hmm. you know, but old men are more like an old grandpa, grandpa. is yeah. more relatable with his little, you know, sidekick than, than what happens in this. And the way that this movie just explores what it means to live, what it means to live your life, you know, like you said, it's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. And I think my favorite thing about it is that it is deep mm -hmm. and it is very um, introspective. But it also doesn't have, at least not for me, it doesn't have that moment that like breaks you down to like that six-year-old inside of you. Mm -hmm. I cried way more watching Onward than I did Soul. Like I sure. teared up during Soul. Like there are a couple of moments like when they go through his life or whatever, mm -hmm. when they do the little montage near the end. Like mm -hmm. I got a little misty-eyed. Um, but I appreciated that because it didn't weigh – that movie didn't weigh on me as yeah. much. So Soul is my favorite movie of the year by awesome. far. Um Let's go with one of my other favorites, Palm Springs. Palm Springs is on my list. And again, same concept. Like it's it's the idea of taking something that we have seen before, which is like the Groundhog Day concept, and playing with it a little bit more and just exploring it in ways that have never been done before. And, and it's an incredibly funny movie, but it's also one of those movies that really makes you think about the futility of life. You know, it's weirdly a weird companion piece to soul about what it means to live or not live um, and whatnot. And Andy Samberg's incredible. The score is incredible. J.K. Simmons is incredible. Like Palm Springs is a great movie. It's a perfect pandemic movie, too. Uh, and I just had a blast with it. Like, it's just a really, really well done time loop movie that is fortunately joins a nice, fairly long list of time warp movies. Time loop movies, excuse me. So Palm Springs is on my list for sure. Uh, David, I don't know how many we've gone through. I think that's like, I think we got three left each. If we, I haven't been keeping a tally. I know you've been keeping a tally. Yeah, I've got, I've got two, three more technically. Three more, okay, good. Then my so next one on my list, which was one that I thought might be your favorite movie. Maybe it's your favorite movie, but not your favorite movie. <laughs> okay. If that makes sense. And that's Bad Boys for bad Life. Bad Boys for Life. Spoiler I, alert. I love Bad Boys Actually, for it's life. not a spoiler because the year's over. The highest grossing film of 2020. Hell yeah. And you know what? I was trying to think back to it because I haven't watched it since I saw it in theaters. But as I remember back to it, and we did a podcast again. We did one on, on Bad Boys. So if you want to hear our full synopsis on it, mm -hmm. we have it there. But it... It checks all the boxes with what we enjoy about Bad Boys movie. And despite, you know, some of the changes and, and the gap in time that we had between movies, like, yeah. it's just a lot of fun. Like, for them to bring back Bad Boys after all this time with both actors aging as much as they have since then, like, I felt like we were right back into it. Like... It didn't feel like we skipped a beat. Didn't really? feel weird really? to me Good. that we were here in a third movie. Yep. Um, obviously, they addressed kind of time passing and things mm -hmm. like that in the film. But you know, like, you know what made like honestly, in 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 some way, made me feel like everything was going to be okay. 
this is spoiler alert for Bad Boys for Life, and it's been out for more, almost a year, so spoiler alert. It. But when Michael Bay shows up during yeah. the wedding, I was like, we're going to be okay. Because yeah. <laughs> there was something about that that was like, okay, we can proceed. That's right. Uh, and, yeah. and and even though he didn't direct it, you know, it, it still feels like a, a good third chapter of that franchise. And I don't know that we'll get another one in the Bad Boys franchise. Who knows? It made a good amount of money. It did. Despite being a pandemic year and all that. It did. But uh, yeah, I mean, again, we come back to the fact that there's not a ton of movies that came out this year, but it's one that I enjoyed a lot. And it's dope. It's uh, it was a good time. It's a great action movie. It's got legitimately good, well-directed action. Um, it, it shows respect to the series. Mm-hmm. Like bring, freaking brings back Reggie, which yeah. was another thing that I was like, yes, yeah, we're in. I love it. Um, and honestly, like really emotional at, 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 at like the, I was surprised at how much emotion was actually in the movie. Will Smith crushes it. Martin Lawrence crushes it. Like, those are two guys that will never grow out of their uh, their chemistry, I don't think. Yeah. Uh, I even liked all the, the, you know, they, oh, we're going to bring in the new young hot crew. Yeah. And that worked well. Yeah, you know? I was fine I with have it. no qualms with Bad Boys for Life. It might be, like, my favorite, favorite movie. It's definitely the movie out of, out of almost literally almost everything on my list that will be on rotation the most frequently. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's absolutely on my list. So that means we got two movies left each. I'm gonna. I know you. I'm gonna be interesting because I don't. I don't know your list, but I'm gonna bring up one that I know you haven't seen, mm-hmm. and I'm hoping that you'll bring up one that maybe I haven't seen, or that, and we can wrap up with the one that I think we both want to talk about. But sure. we're gonna do this. We're flying blind here. We have no strategy between us. So I'm gonna talk about the trial of the Chicago Seven. Mm-hmm. Which the only reason that the Trial of the Chicago Seven isn't my number one movie of the year is because it's there's a deep seated anger in watching it that just doesn't make it as enjoyable as it could be. Um, the fact that it's an Aaron Sorkin movie, incredible. The fact that it's a historical Aaron Sorkin movie, it has an excellent cast. It has an excellent script that will drive you mad by showing you how little has changed over the decades. Uh, but Guys like Sasha Baron Cohen, Jeremy Strong, Eddie Redmayne, all of these people are giving A-plus work here. It's absolutely incredible to watch. It's fun to watch these guys pop off each other one by one. And it's just it's, it's a fascinating look at, at, a, at a hugely historical event that I think more people should take the opportunity to watch. Now, I'll say, I'll say it, and, and this should be said about every historical movie, like, it's not 100% fact, you know? This is a fictional account of a true event, so that means that as with every based on a true story movie, things are consolidated. Things are made a little bit easier. Um, uh, it, it, but it's just an incredible movie. Like, I, there's not really a ton to say about The Trial of the Chicago 7 other than it's timely. It's incredibly well-directed. It's incredibly well-acted. It's incredibly well-made. Uh, and I think everybody should give it a chance. Absolutely. So that's my I'm disappointed I didn't one. watch it, obviously, being a huge Sorkin fan. I'm, sure. I'm excited to... to to, to get it uh, going here Absolutely. soon and, and stream it. So uh, so I didn't really have one that I could pick for this last spot. So like basically it was between Greenland, which we've had an episode of. Yep, and we enjoyed uh, it. Old Guard, which we talked about on a previous episode. Yep. I believe we talked about My Spy even in an episode. Um, All enjoyable. A, a, a little bit. All enjoyable movies. So the instead of... Going back to those, because you can revisit our episodes where we talked about those, mm-hmm. I, I thought I'd talk about one that I don't know that it would be in front of those movies, but one that we haven't talked about on this, which is Midnight Sky, which is okay. another Netflix movie with Clooney. Okay. We love and Clooney. We love Clooney. He does a great job, great acting job in this movie. It's, you know, another kind of apocalyptic type of of movie where you have an event at the beginning of the movie and just kind of living from that. Mm-hmm. There's plenty of issues with this movie, but what I enjoyed about it is one, I love me some Clooney and love he does Clooney. a great job, does a great performance in there. Um, and I think, you know, it's a, another unique spin. We, we have the whole concept of, I, I won't go too big into spoilers, but you have the concept of they're looking for another planet to inhabit and so you know 
he has this obsession with figuring that out. Right. And, and you have people that are off exploring that. It's a, a moon of Jupiter's. And then you have this event that happens and those people coming back with him being one of the few survivors. And it's 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 got a good twist in there. I don't know if people, if you read up on it, you'll you'll know it. And, and I don't know if it'll spoil it for me. It might have spoiled it a little bit. I know you read up on it. You I haven't seen everything. the movie. Yeah. But it, it was a good twist to me. It's not something that I necessarily saw coming, but made a whole lot of sense. So like, I like that. If you're going to do a big kind of like ending twist, it, I need to be able to rewatch it and it and check it out. Up. Yeah. Like it needs to check out For after sure. that. Almost like a la like something like Sixth Sense right. or things Where like that. Repeated viewings show that they did the work. Yeah. They put in the work to to make this this matter, you right. know, or, or this be legit. It's not some BS like it was really this guy. Yeah. And it's like, well, that's not really fair. You showed that guy dead 20 minutes ago. Yeah. So it's it's a little slow, which you would expect when it's basically George for half the movie by himself sure. or or with uh, or with one other person. So it's it's a little bit slower moving, but it's it's a good time. And, and I think there's, uh, you know, if you have Netflix, it's a good, good, good chance Check to watch it, it once. I mean, it's, yeah, on it's Netflix. a good stream. It's yeah. a new movie on Netflix. Absolutely. So the last movie, even though it's not it's not at the top of my list, it's close. Uh, but the last movie is Tenet. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure that that was your last movie. Yep. Okay, good. We, I predicted that cleanly. Uh, and this is just like uh, one of the things that I loved, I think it was in November or December, was that Tenet came to VOD and rental. And a lot of people got the opportunity to watch it. And the discourse improved. Like, a lot of people were like, Tenet is good, actually. And I am all for that because Tenet is good, actually. It takes, it, like, cranks up Christopher Nolan's time bullshit to 11, but ratchets down all of, like, the deeper meaning type stuff that was in Inception and Interstellar and whatnot. And it's just him making a dope, trippy James Bond a spy espionage movie. And yeah. I'm here for it, man. Like, I'm here for Robert Pattinson and John David Washington running around in suits looking cool. And I don't care if I have to watch it three or four times with the captions on to fully get the entire piece. <laughs> like, I am still trying to figure out the logistics of the unexploding, re-exploding building that mm. is just, that was one of the most memorable images of film in 2020 for me. Yeah. Um, I'm here for Christopher Nolan anytime he needs. Anytime he wants to come on the podcast and talk about how films need to be in the cinema, he's got an open invitation. Absolutely. But Tenet is is easily in my top films of the year list. And it's my favorite of the year. And I think what I enjoy so much about Christopher Nolan, and, and yes, I know he did the Batman movies, mm -hmm. but he... You know you're going to get something new when you watch a Christopher Nolan movie. Something he's is going be to he's going to push the envelope in some way. Like we can get into how themes are always repeated, but look, we've had over over a hundred years of film. Like I'm sorry, like right. themes are going to be repeated. And at before some that, point. thousands of years of storytelling. Exactly. So, <laughs> listen, tough tough luck if you want a completely original theme. It's not going to happen. But like. I appreciate how, you know, outside of doing Batman, like he's pursued telling unique and original stories. Like in a time of movies where we're all about the franchises and we're all right. about the reboots and the refreshes and the bringing back, you know, I as much as I enjoyed Bad Boys, like bringing back Bad Boys sure. for no apparent, like no one was calling for another Bad Boys movie, right? <laughs> you know, 20 years later. So it's like... But I like that when even when he took on Dunkirk and did a war movie, which mm -hmm. is something that we've obviously gotten hundreds of, if war not movies. thousands of more so movies, many. he found a way to do it in a way that we had never seen before. Right. And so that's what I appreciate about Christopher Nolan, whether you think he's, you know, full of himself or arrogant or whatever you want to say about Christopher Nolan, that's fine. But the fact of the matter is he's you can feel his passion and his uh, his creativity and the way that he tells a story. 
and I just really enjoy it. Like that's what that's why I get amped up for hearing about the next Christopher Nolan project because yes. I know he's going to do something that I haven't seen before like, or 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 tell something in a way I haven't seen it told before. Christopher Nolan has built the Hollywood ec- and listen this is not we're not talking about the politics of releasing a movie mid pandemic. We're not talking about the politics of of should movies be open, should movie theaters be open, should it have been delayed, all that stuff. That's a different conversation. The quality of the film. You know, the the fact that Christopher Nolan has enough Hollywood Warner Brothers equity to be like give me 250 million dollars. We're going to use very little digital effects. I'm going to crash a plane into a building, a full-size jumbo jet into a building. And I'm here, for, and it's going to be completely original. It's not; it has no existing characters. It has nothing that we need. That like movies need that, you know. And so what if it's not a best picture nominee every time or a best picture winner every time? Movies, the very concept of filmmaking, needs people like Christopher Nolan to keep that type of thing alive. And that's why the whole theater thing was such a, a really disappointing failure, is because. Somehow we're gonna grade this year, year and a half, two years on a on a the same curve as every other year. Like, no, this movie is incredible. It's a miracle that it exists in mm-hmm. in a day and age where Disney just announced a dozen, two, three dozen different new shows based on pre existing IP. HBO Max is over here dropping all of its sequels and big blockbusters on, on streaming platforms. Like, we need this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's just incredibly made. Yep. Um, so to recap, David, tell me your your group of movies and your top movie again. Yeah, the movies I talked about were, in in no particular order, Soul, Midnight Sky, Jungle Land, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Palm Springs, The Five Bloods, The Gentleman, Onward, Bad Boys and my favorite movie of the year was Tenet. That's a good. That's a good list. You have nothing to apologize for for <laughs> that list. All right, that is signed, sealed, and approved. My best of the year movies list goes goes on the rocks. Onward, Mank, The Invisible Man, Palm Springs, Bad Boys for Life, The Five Bloods, Tenet, The Trial of Chicago Seven, and then my favorite movie of twenty twenty is Pixar's Soul. Uh, and that's a that's a heck of a list. That's I think you know another successful movie year. So this is part one of kind of our our year in review. We've done our favorite movies, but now it's time to talk about Oscar season and what what we're excited for if it comes out. I'm not entirely sure, but check out next week's episode going over you know what we're excited about before we wrap up i want to remind everybody that you can get free episodes of the popcorn diet delivered straight to you just by hitting that subscribe button so wherever you are take a second hit that follow button share us with your good movie buddies don't forget to to check us out on patreon by going to patreon.com slash the popcorn diet and consider becoming a patron of an independent movie podcast movies are tough right now uh, you know, doing things independently to try and make ourselves feel better is, is kind of all we have. And we want to spread the, the good movie buddy vibe. So check us out on patreon.com slash popcorn diet and consider becoming a patron. Of course, we don't want you to forget that you can follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram at the popcorn diet. And last but certainly not least, you can find all of our latest regular episodes, articles and more on our website, popcorn diet But For the Canadian machine, Mr. David Melhorn, I am your very best good movie buddy, and we'll see you next time previewing what might be up for us in movies for 2021 on the Popcorn Diet. Adios.